Choir directors are creative, resourceful, dedicated, and sometimes completely out of ideas. Not to worry, the Choir Ninja Podcast is here with solutions you never saw coming. Get ready for some training, wisdom, and inspiration from the masters. Let Ryan Guth guide your journey to becoming a Choir Ninja. Hey there, Choir Nation. This is Ryan Guth with the Choir Ninja Podcast, and I'm delighted to have with me today Victoria Hopkins, and she is from the Total Choir Resources Podcast. Uh, We're going to just do some comparison here between the U.S. and Great Britain. Uh, Is that what we call it? Do we call it Great Britain? Is that what we call it? I think we more often call it the UK, but anything will do. Anything. In, will, I'm in England, so we can. We you're can in England. England. I, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole smattering of places that I don't understand quite. So, so Eng, we're going to call it England for today. <laughs> okay. And uh, so Victoria, you know, she's a podcaster as well. Like I said, Total Choir Resources, um, and she knows how important sponsors are. So um, we're going to just very briefly go over the sponsors that are sponsoring this episode, uh, and then we're going to dive into some some fun with Victoria. Uh, The first one I want to mention is sightreadingfactory.com. Sightreadingfactory.com is is the place to go for custom tailored sight reading examples that are generated through this like fancy algorithm. And you literally go on uh, to the website. You can project this in front of your students. You can choose specifications for your sight reading example. You click a button to generate this example and it throws it up on the board uh, for you, um, and you can, gosh, you can label, you can label solfege in there uh, or not. You can have your measures disappear as they as they go along. Um, it's really, really, really interesting, and uh, everybody should use it because it's just it's so much easier than cracking open a book and making copies or whoever who does that stuff. So <laughs> it's the 21st century, so let's jump into it with sightreadingfactory.com. Use the promo code ninja at checkout and you will receive 10 free student accounts. Uh, that will allow your students to practice at home. I like using them with the Allstate students first. Uh, just as a test run and if you want to use that promo code ninja in the future, um, you get um, you get 10 free student accounts when you buy a whole bunch of student accounts. So um, it's cheap, it's awesome, and you should use it. So there's that. Second of all, mymusicfolders.com. Mymusicfolders.com is the place to go for anything music folders, choir, band, orchestra, um, any leather-bound, beautiful Napa leather-bound director's folders. But if you want your students to take care of their music, and one of the ways they can do that is by putting it in a beautiful folder from mymusicfolders.com. So use the promo code NINJA when you check out and you will get the deepest discount possible. That is the, that is the, the discount that is reserved for people that buy over 100 pieces. So if you use the promo code NINJA, you can buy any quantity you choose and you know you'll be getting the best deal available. So mymusicfolders.com, promo code NINJA. All right, Victoria, thank you so much for joining me today on the Choir Ninja podcast. You're welcome, Ryan. It's great to talk to you. So, Victoria, tell me a little bit about Total Choir Resources, when that started, and because I, I think your podcast is a little bit older than mine. I think it's like... I think it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we've been... Um, Total Choir Resources has existed for about six years. 
And it was really born out of the frustration that myself and my business partner, Christine Mulgrew, experienced when we were um, starting out and trying to find information about how to do the kind of practical everyday stuff that we do as choir directors. Um, planning our rehearsals, choosing our repertoire, preparing that to teach to our choirs, managing choirs, managing people. Um, We were lucky enough to get some really good um, conducting training, but uh, it was really limited to the the actual conducting part of the job. Mm -hmm. Um, And we didn't stray very far into the sort of rehearsal structure and that kind of thing. Um, And so we pretty much learned all that on the go. And um, we started off with a blog uh, and then the podcast, I guess, about five years ago. Um, And we found that there were thousands of choir leaders who were in the same boat as us, new and developing choir leaders, often really good musicians, but who'd never led a choir, never conducted, had never stood in front of a choir and asked them to do something. Um, We found that choir leaders often almost fall into the job. They're doing something else. They're accompanists, they're music teachers, they're good singers, uh, and they step up because somebody leaves or um, they think it's a great idea to start a choir in in a new area. Um, And those are the people that we're really able to help. So, Victoria, the the types of choirs or or choir leaders, as you say, um, that flock towards your podcast, are are they... Yeah, just sorry to interrupt, Ryan. Um, The reason that we we use choir leader... Um, as opposed to director or conductor or something like that Mm -hmm. is just because we want to encompass all those people who are doing different roles because often, uh, you know, often people will be managing a choir but not necessarily conducting or conducting but not necessarily managing. That's where we go with that. So choir leader is not a geographical thing. Choir leader is is a total choir resources term. I think it's yeah we we sort of adopted it as the best description of the people that we were we wanted to talk to. Gotcha. Um, the okay. Pe- the people that we really feel that we can help the most are the people who are on the journey that we've been on, um, but are sort of coming along some way behind us. So it's um, not people who've been to music college. It's not people who've got music degrees. Um, it's people who have. Uh, who have sort of become choir leaders, possibly without a, a huge amount of advanced planning, and who suddenly think, right, what what do I do now? How do how do I structure a rehearsal? How do I choose music for this group of people? And this is a big um, problem. I, I I had no idea. I mean, so so w- what what type of choirs are they leading? Like, are these community ensembles or churches or? Well, about half our um, all sorts, but about half our um, audience is in the U.S. Um, uh, Sorry, no, about a third. About a third in the US, about okay. a third in the UK, and the other third, mostly kind of English-speaking Commonwealth countries, a bit of Europe, a bit of Africa and Asia. Okay. Um, so we've got a we've got a global reach, um, but the the main the the main sort of choir leader that we're speaking to are, p- are community choir leaders. So people who are out in the community, often running choirs that are all comers. Sure. Okay. Okay. So the, 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 we call we call it the y'all come choir. <laughs> That's that's, right. that's our American version. <laughs> y'all come, y'all come. Yeah. But yeah, okay, that's awesome. Okay, so 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 you have okay, so there's overlap then, and I and I think it's good because you're you're really focused on the practical side of of leading a choir. You're not 
You're not ju- you're not talking about. Are you talking about things that are like nitty gritty, like score study? Or are you talking about things oh, like? Oh, definitely. Okay, we actually have an online. We actually have an online course that um, that covers um, choosing music and, and preparing scores. Oh. Um, but but we we keep everything very much aimed at the uh, the choir leader who's just starting out or wants to develop skills that they haven't got as a musician elsewhere. So you might be a fantastic pianist or guitarist or whatever it is that you've come up doing, but then suddenly you're doing something completely different. You understand the musical side of it, but you don't necessarily understand how to communicate that to a bunch of singers. I see. Okay, that's that's a pretty good. That's a great explanation as to. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So, so what was your problem? Like, what what led you down this this road that you saw? You said, "I we need to solve this problem." Well, it was really just that the the information that we were looking for mm-hmm. we didn't find readily. Uh, and obviously with a lot of online research, you can find pretty much anything, but we, we found that there wasn't a specific place where we felt that our kind of choir leading was being represented. So there was lots of stuff for, for, um, for choral conductors in the sort of more traditional sense, people Mm -hmm. who come up through music college trained as choral conductors, but there was less for the kind of the community choir type leader. And that's been a, that's been a huge development in, in choirs in this country and abroad. Um, over the last, I guess, five to seven years, maybe 10 years, um, uh, the, all those kind of online talent shows and all that kind of thing that has, has fed into a, a desire of people to, of, of all types and musical abilities to get singing together, which is fantastic. That's true. That is true. And, uh, I, now I, I'm I'm wondering because so we have a lot of you know community choirs here in the U.S. that you know they're they're looking for masters in, or doctoral candidates and stuff in order to to lead their community choir, which I think is a little bit crazy, but but <laughs> um, like it's a community choir. Give me a break. But uh, um, do you find that there are other community choirs or most community choirs not? led by music school trained people? Oh, I'd say definitely. Yes. Wow. Okay. I must be, man, this is blowing my mind because I, I, I must have just have grown up in, in hoity-toity, you know, areas where the community choir leaders are, are all have degrees in music and that, that kind of stuff. And you couldn't teach them anything. <laughs> I'm sure there are, there, are, there are lots and lots of people who've, who've got that kind of background who, mm-hmm. who do lead community choirs. But so many of the people that we meet through the course of our work have come a completely different route. So do you do more interviews or do you, or do, you do more you write, you write the content yourself and, and podcast it? On our podcast, yeah. Uh, well, because because Christian and I work together, uh, we generally record the podcast most of the time. It's it's me, it's Christine and me, like a dialogue, um, standing either side of the microphone, um, talking to each other and uh, talking over each other quite a bit. I'm afraid to say, but okay. <laughs> we often find that we both have so much to say that we're cutting each other off and finishing each other's sentences. We've been uh, we've been in, in partnership for quite a long time now. So so let, let's just very briefly delve into. Um, your your background your background in in all this this well my background is as a singer okay. primarily um, and an instrumentalist um, in a very small scale way but um, never particularly brilliantly my sister is the really excellent musician in the family um, she's a pianist violinist organist and leads and also leads choirs um, but uh, I was a singer all my life and uh, and have enjoyed singing in all sorts of choirs, including a large symphony chorus in this country. I think you guys have the same sort of structure over there, do you? Where 
symphony orchestras have an associated amateur chorus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that kind of fairly common. Yeah, so you, I was, you'd find that. Well, it depends on the market, but yeah, like if you think yeah. about like the you know Dallas Symphony has exactly. the Dallas Symphony chorus, so forth. So after I after I graduated and and got married, I um I joined the Bournemouth Symphony Chorus, which is the the chorus associated with the Bournemouth Symphony Orchestra, mm-hmm. and I spent ten very happy years with that choir singing. Some of the, well, most of the really big choral works and love it. That's definitely, that's my favorite thing, singing, you know, really huge choral works Um, with a fantastic professional orchestra, great soloists, conductors. It was just a a treat from start to finish. Um, And, but obviously that was an amateur endeavor. So I had to earn my living and I was a lawyer for 15 years. God bless you. (laughs) And then, so when did you find yourself leading a choir? Um, well, Christine was actually the person who started the choir. She was a, a singer, contemporary singer, okay. and she decided to start a community choir in our village in the, on the south coast of England. And um, I had by this time left the symphony chorus, and uh, and I saw it advertised, and I thought, oh, that's really a nice idea, a, a village community choir. I thought I'd go along and have a sing because I wasn't doing any singing. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to know Christine and um, not very long after she started her contemporary choir, she uh, got pregnant and needed somebody to step in for a while and lead her choir. So I did that. Um, And then when it was time for her to come back to work, we sort of put our heads together. I was ready to leave the legal profession and we decided to, to run choirs together, which is what we did for the first sort of year or so. And that was when we had the idea for total choir resources and, uh, and you know, off we went. It's been a very exciting journey. We've now got a community of about, well, it's over 11,000 choir leaders now um, who, uh, you know, c- come to us for advice and support and um, training courses. And most recently, actual music. We've now um, started being music publishers in a small way on the website. So is this your full time thing now? It is. Yeah, that's great. Congratulations. Thank that's, you so that's, much. That's awesome. <laughs> it really is. It's I, so enjoyable as well. I and a, I just love spending my time talking to other like-minded people. It's a, it's an absolute treat. Yeah, it's refreshing to see somebody that, that can do this. I had a, a, a very influential blogger um, that I sat down with once. Very influential. Like people would probably know his name if I mentioned him by name. And, probably best not then. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to. Uh, who said, you need to leave, you need to ditch the choir the choir thing you need di- you know because you're never gonna you're not gonna be successful in the choir in, you know in a, in a choir niche online and i'm like are you kidding me like wh- why would you tell me that you know and um you know so it's it's nice to to have other people in the world that are making it in Thank choir you. you know like yeah i agree and actually that i felt exactly the same when i came across the choir ninja podcast or its, it's predecessor find your forte that um you know there was a like-minded podcast already right out there it's great yeah and that's right and I, I say it almost every episode you know there's it's not about taking pieces of the pie it's about making the pie bigger you know because <laughs> there's plenty of you know there's plenty of ingredients to go around that's for sure so so that's very cool um so let's 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 jump in a little bit more to the you know the, the 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 nitty gritty here. So, do you guys say nitty gritty in in England? Yes, we do. Great. Oh, perfect. Okay. I have this. Except, of we pronounce the T's. N- oh, oh, oh. So, the, <laughs> the nitty, the nitty gritty. Yeah. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Um, I I have this amazing book called Foils Flavory, and it's. I've uh, never heard the word flavory. Well, I don't think I. I 
I don't think I have heard of it until I picked up this book, but it's it's I think it's published in England and it's a it's a book of of obscure words and their definitions and most of them come from England. So I I have to go see if, you know, like nitty gritty nit, nitty gritty is in there. <laughs> but you do pronounce your T's. This is why we always we tell our uh, we we just tell our choirs to you know emulate you know a British person when they sing and then like usually things start coming together you know so yeah well we pronounce the T's but we don't pronounce the R's right I've noticed I've noticed that but no. which actually is, is which actually is, is more difficult for singing yeah but it's better right it's better to not have them we don't want those those <laughs> retroflex er stuff going on and then we sound like then we sound like you know um, the next thing out of the you know. Nashville or, or whatever, you know, you sound like a country, a country Western. Singer, oh, all so. your Nashville listeners have just turned off. Yeah, I know. There's actually a big classical community in Nashville. Uh, so I'm sorry if you are listening from Nashville and you have retroflex R's in your vocabulary. But uh, let's OK. So let's talk about big picture. What is the point of a rehearsal in your mind? Why, 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 why can't we just honestly i think rehearsals are too long i think people rehearse for too long do you mean um, the whole fa- the whole rehearsal phase no it's like can we just get to the damn thing already you know like can we just <laughs> like like i feel like it's just so rehearsal is like this agonizing thing that people show up for like every week and they know there's a concert so it's like obligatory to have a rehearsal you know but but there's like so much unnecessary um stress uh that comes from from a rehearsal like i don't know just going through the motions, you know, I think rehearsal tends to be a lot of people going through the motions or they, that's what they make it. And yes. rehearsals need and to be it's, fun it's, and it's engaging. It's important to be more targeted, I think. Yeah. I hated rehearsal. I hated it. Like, just tell me what to do and I'll just, I'll learn it, you know, and then I'll show up and it'll be correct, you know, but so what's the point? What's the point of rehearsal? Well, um, if you were to, if you were to rehearse a piece of music just by singing it over and over again, of course it would improve. Sure. The, the very act great. of repeating it, right. yeah. it, it, it would improve every time, but it'd take a very long time. Everybody would get horribly bored and um, it would it would just take far too long. So so my idea of what rehearsals are for is for the is for the leader to get the choir from point A to point B in a way that's engaging and useful and, and achieves what you're setting out to achieve, mm-hmm. which is to improve the performance of the music. And it, it, on a on a higher level, to get to the performance at the right time, so that you're not under rehearsed and everybody's stressed out and hasn't got a clue what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But equally, you're not over rehearsed, so everybody isn't horribly tired of singing the same piece of music. So that's a skill in itself. That whole kind of rehearsal planning, season planning level. Um, but uh, at a, on a sort of rehearsal by rehearsal basis, I think we. we we should all go into our rehearsals with a plan, with an idea of what we want to achieve in that session. Mm-hmm. And that's really where my kind of rehearsal technique, um, my rehearsal technique training is focused. On the plan. Yeah, on the planning and then on the execution and and how to kind of roll with the punches when things don't quite go as you expect them to. Sure. Okay. So, so do you find uh, that there are choir uh, choir members that are rehearsal is a bother to me so uh let's just cut to the chase and then there's other people that are like oh no if we don't have enough rehearsal i mean this is this could this could be terrible this could be the end of the world you know the chicken little the sky's <laughs> falling right you know and is it like bringing those two types of people together and trying to engage 
both of them and every and everything in between, you know. Um, well, the way I like to think of it is um, a, a running coach friend of mine described how he he runs um, running training sessions for mixed ability groups. So you've got some super fast runners and you've got the slower plodders, which is what I used to be. Um, and you've got to create a, pro, a, a a running session that's going to that's going to keep those two people happy. So what he does is he um, he gets the fast runners to to run off and the slower runners run behind. And then the fast runners at some point have to turn around and run back to the slower runners. And then they turn around and run back again. So the so the, the fast runners get a longer, faster run and the slow runners get a shorter, slower run. But everybody's still running as a group. And that's kind of what I what I envisage when I'm planning my rehearsal for a mixed ability choir. Mm-hmm. So I've got some singers in my choir who are just excellent musicians and to be honest, they could probably perform on a single rehearsal. Sure. They wouldn't, they don't need an awful lot of direction from me other than to know what I want to do musically. They certainly don't need me to teach them the music, but they're also part of the choir and I want to keep them engaged and um, working as a team with all the other people who are probably a little bit further behind and they do need more teach, actual teaching, actual note bashing. Do you use that phrase, note bashing? Note bashing? You don't no, call it that? No, we don't, call it, <laughs> but we don't call it bashing. We call it like, uh, I call it plunking. Plunking out. Yeah, yeah let's go to plunk. We're going to go plunk some notes in the closet over here. Let's go, you know, let's go basses. Come on. Let's go to the, let's go to the choir library where we have the keyboard set up so we can plunk some notes while everybody else does their own thing, right? right? So the term that we would use for that is note bashing. The, the early stages of rehearsal when you're, uh, when you've got to do the, the, um, the sort of nuts and bolts work sure. of getting the getting the notes and the words right. Into that's the, heads that's of the, the rehearsal. Right. That's what stinks. Like that's the part mm. that is not fun at all. Right. It's note bashing, note plunking, whatever you want to call it. Right. That is the le- well, my personal least favorite part of of you know of a choir rehearsal, which is I guess why there's so much of a, a, a in there's so much of a emphasis on sight, you know, sight singing, right? Because mm-hmm. eventually it's very, it's, it's completely selfish. It's completely selfish, right? For, as a choir director, because we want our students and our choir members to know how to read music and sight sing so we can not bash notes, <laughs> right? Like, cause we want to get, we want to get to the fun stuff too, right? So Yes, music literacy, music literacy, blah blah blah. You're a well-rounded person, you know. You you know, but in in the end, let's just let's just get real here. In the end, it's all about us as a choir director doing what we want, which is the, <laughs> right, oh, high exactly level music with students who can sight sing anything, so that so that we can you know so we can get on stage and impress everybody so they like us, right? It's just like right. It, it, and I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, like, I have to, so, I, but you raise a really good point, And that is, uh, how do you, how do you, um, how do you navigate that with a community choir where people aren't, right, they're you, not good. You don't singers. get that. How right? do you, you don't navigate get that. that yeah, you and, don't get and that. not make it the most boring thing in the world. So I have two big strategies that I use. The first is that for everything that we sing, um, I always have rehearsal tracks available. Okay. Great. So whatever we're doing, I always have recorded rehearsal tracks and so my choir can go home, listen to the rehearsal track and and learn in their own time if, if they're one of the people who find themselves a little bit behind everybody else. Sure. And in rehearsal, I don't make too many concessions to 
people not knowing it once we've got once we've got beyond the first sort of couple of weeks where people have had a chance to go and and uh, and listen to their part and start getting it internalized so do you so, tee up so, those expectations for them i mean do you do you say you know if we go over it twice the third time it needs to be learned i mean is there is there a particular expectation well, I, that you I, tee I always, up there um, and this kind of brings me on to sort of more kind of in the planning side of things but i uh I email my choir after rehearsal and I, I obviously I thank them and I say um, this is what we need to do for next week. So I'm I'm usually uh, giving them an idea like for the moment at the moment we're my chamber choir is learning the Vaughan Williams C Symphony which is for most of them a very very hard piece of music. So uh, I am telling them every week exactly which sections of the score I'm going to be working on mm-hmm. the following week so that they can break it down and learn in their own time. Um, and those people who, you know, those people who are great sight singers or who know the piece already, well, you know, they get some more time in front of the television. That's great for them. But the other strategy that I use in rehearsals for that to keep everybody focused is I don't ever let a section of my choir sit doing nothing for very long. Absolutely. I will either have them... Um, so in the very early stages, I might have everybody singing everything. So if we're learning, a, you know, if I, if I want to focus on, a, on the tenor line, I might have everybody singing the tenor line. Or I might have the soprano singing with the tenors. Now, this is great because it means that you're encouraging sight singing. Uh, and that can be and singing the internal parts as well, which is great for the people who are usually reading the top or the bottom of the score. Mm-hmm. Um, and And you're keeping everybody engaged. People can't chat while they're singing. So... You know, the the more they're singing, the less they're getting distracted, gossiping, you know, fiddling with their phones. You'd, be, so you'd be surprised what a, middle, what a middle schooler can do. You know, they uh, they might find a way to <laughs> well, chat while they're singing. Grown ups who've chosen to be there. So, so okay, that's, that's a- this is interesting. This is an interesting dynamic. Then, so you're you work in your community choir with adults, mm-hmm. right? And I'm, you know, I'm, I know I sound totally off the wall when, when, you know, in this, this past several minutes of conversation here, but working with, with adults is hard. I mean, it's really, really hard. And I'm I just, for me, I, I don't know, um, maybe because I want that control position, you know, <laughs> because go to detention, right. Or, or something, you know, where, where if you don't, if you, there's a consequence for you not coming along for the ride. But adults have a whole different. It's a whole different ball game. Adults are choosing to be there out of their own free will. So, what do you notice that you need to do to motivate an adult to want to grow and expand uh, beyond their current capabilities? Well, I, I think in some ways you 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 can't force that on anybody. They're going to be they they have to be there because they want to be. They have, and they have to be in your particular choir because you have the the right sort of recipe that appeals to them you know whether that for my choir um, I mean for Christine's contemporary choir it's very much whatever you were saying about y'all come y'all y'all come yeah y'all come everybody just comes along they sing rock and pop songs to recorded backing tracks it's uh, and and they have an absolutely brilliant time Mm -hmm. they do warm-ups they do cool downs but they're not really focused on vocal development Whereas my choir, uh, we're a little bit more sort of traditional choral. We do a quite an eclectic mix of music. Mm-hmm. But if, if people join my choir, they, they stay in it because they know that I'm going to push them to be better singers and, um, and that we're going to do some challenging music that, they, that might scare them. So it's a matter of joining the right choir. Exactly. There's a, right, there's a point where 
you may think, well, this is not the right fit for me, but down the road, there'd be a choir that's, you know, I'm not looking, I'm not looking for the Vaughn Williams C symphony. I'm looking, I'm looking for Africa by Toto. Right. And interesting. You should say that because Christine's choir is going to be doing a big, um, a big performance with a bunch of other contemporary choirs in a, in a couple of months where they're going to be singing just that and, <laughs> and they'll have an absolute whale of a time, you know? Right, exactly. Um, so it's horses for courses and um, in our little area alone of the south of England, bearing in mind that half our catchment area, because we're on the coast, half our catchment area is in the sea. So it's amazing that we have probably half a dozen of, uh, of different types of community choir within maybe a 20-mile radius um, we've got uh, one just up the road that does mainly kind of show, uh, musical theatre type oh, okay. choral arrangements. Sure, sure. Um, we've got another one that sadly has just had to disband because the um, the leader couldn't keep going. But um, that was uh, another rock and pop choir, but she led the choir from the piano. Um, so it's a very different sort of sound to sure. Christine's choir. So there's there's something for everybody. And it's, you're absolutely right. It's about finding the right fit. So... I've noticed that a lot of choir directors take whatever job is available, right? Oh, yeah, this job opened up. You know, I'm a choir director. I need money. I, mm. uh, right. I'm going to take this job. So there's, from ta- from just, just what we were talking about here, there's, there's the right choir for the choir member, but there's also the right, what's the right choir for the choir director as well? You know, because it's like finding your, it sounds like you all have, you know, niche or niched you know choirs mm. in your area whereas you know i you'll we'll see a you know a major you know symphonic type choir um you know they're we're going to do a pops concert because that's what we think is going to get like the younger generations to show up to the right. uh, in the audience which you know i don't know maybe if they were just more intently focused on their own on their own niche and be you know more laser focused then maybe they'd have more you know, more of a passionate audience. But when you start to, when your when your laser becomes hot, just hot breath, then <laughs> you, you know, then then you lose you lose focus. You lose the type of audience that likes the, that is are raving fans. You know, so what what do you have to say about sort of the niching phenomenon that I'm hearing about in your in your small coastal village? <laughs> well, I suppose that it's probably quite telling that all the choir leaders that I, I've just mentioned, um, they all started their choirs from scratch. Wow. So they, okay. They were not, none of those people were taking, were, were um, hired by an existing choir. Okay. And now there are other choirs, there are other choirs in our local region that, that have that structure. So um, the more sort of uh, traditional choral society type, mm-hmm. um, type choir, uh, they would ha- be often run by a committee, and uh, they would appoint a director. Okay. But most of the most of the leaders that we're dealing with on to- uh, Total Choir Resources day after day are people who have set up choirs. Wow. Or who have or who have taken over a choir, but they they usually more often than not they are uh, they are directors and managers. So they're they're doing the running the whole thing themselves, often as a business or as a part time business. Hmm. Okay. So, are, are, is so, it I mean, a, we do we do hear from people who who are um, are hired by a choir and that choir is run by a committee. So that's mostly what we have organization. here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I would say they're uh, all non profits. There's a big scene over here of of choir leaders who are setting up new choirs. Okay, but we have an awesome organization here called Chorus America that 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 um, deals with 
uh, deals with um, you know the nonprofit status choir. Yeah, I've seen I've seen the website. Yeah, they're great. I mean, and by the way, Choir Nation, if you're interested in uh, going to a great conference, um, the Course America conference is awesome. It's going to be in Chicago this year, but in June. But um, it, are the choirs there that you're talking about? Are they are they for profit like businesses where people pay a tuition? Yeah. They, wow. So not 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 obviously not exclusively. Uh-huh. Um but um everybody everybody who is in um most of the choirs that I'm talking about and the and the choir leaders that we deal with on the uh, on a day-to-day basis. Um yes, their their customers are basically their their choir members. So this is something that's not too often done here in the mm-hmm. US. And and I started a for-profit choir organization back in 2009. Um, and I thought I was just like Mr. Innovation over here, but clearly you guys have been doing it, uh, for, for quite some time in England. Yeah. We're, and we're happy to help with anything you need. <laughs> well, I mean, this is right. So do you have courses through total choir resources on setting up a choir? Starting yeah, we a do. Choir? We have a great, actually we have a, we have an ebook called the choir starter kit, which covers all that stuff. Oh, so, you know, just from even from formulating what sort of choir you would want to lead, what sort of choir leader you want to be, who's going to be in your choir, mm-hmm. balancing balancing your idea of what you want to what you want to do. So maybe you want to start a, you know, a, a chamber choir that's going to sing exclusively baroque music. Um, but you live somewhere where that's quite remote and nobody wants to do that, you know. And the, and your and your market research shows that actually what people would like to do is is sing rock and pop songs. So the whole process of kind of of formulating an idea of a choir and then the and then the actual practical side of how do you get it off the ground? Who's going to own it? Is it going to be a business? Is it going to be um is it going to be a, you know, a non-profit um owned by its members kind of an organization? Sure. Wow. So yeah. Well, I would encourage Choir Nation to, if you're interested in going the entrepreneurial route and starting something, that you check out, you know, what, what Victoria has to offer at Total Choir Resources, because, I mean, that's sounds like a great, well, it sounds like a great resource. Thanks. Uh, you know, not I was actually talking to, talking to a woman in, um, in Manhattan who, um, who is doing just that. She's setting up, I think she's set up three choirs already in Manhattan and Brooklyn. Um, where she's set up community choirs um, that are singing mostly contemporary music. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and that seems to be going very well for her. Well, yeah, because a, a lot of these choirs that that started, you know, back in the 1960s and, you know, when, when you know, bowling clubs were still a thing, right? I, I, we, we've sort of departed from, from, you know, sort of religious group activities, religious meaning not, not faith-based, but religious meaning every Tuesday night's bowling night. Right, every oh, Wednesday see, night's yeah. choir night. Right, mm-hmm. I feel like there's not that kind of culture anymore because everything is you can just you can get anything so quickly, you know that, mm-hmm. and you can be in it produces kind of flaky people, people that don't <laughs> that don't commit to anything long term. Right, whether it's whether it's relationships or whether it's activities, you know. Oh, so cynical! Like jazzercise, um, <laughs> right? But. But you have these organizations that were started back back in the day, and you know, median age, you know, ninety seven and a half, right? And and it was started as a symphonic choir or, or whatnot, and um, nobody knew is joining. You know, they're going. You know, their their dues for the choir are still ten dollars a year. You know, and we're wondering <laughs> why we can't find an attractive you know director to come and and take over. Um. 
uh, what, what do you think like rebranding an existing choir like or doing doing market research and then rebranding an existing choir is a is a solution for um the choir leader who is in a is in a position where they're not seeing like growth in their ensemble well i suppose if you're if you're leading a choir that is is becoming um smaller and smaller and older and older then um you know it, it will eventually fold if you don't attract new people so uh, but i think that with an existing and particularly a well established choir that would have to be something that was a, a sort of a collective conversation about a big change of direction um but i tell you what's doing it really well over here at the moment which is a, a a very different phenomenon from the sort of traditional choir scene and that's workplace choirs so that's really? um yeah within within large companies um, so workplace choirs that um, tend to meet on a lunch hour or immediately after work have short rehearsals, um, and th- those are doing really well. They're springing up all over the place. So are they usually led by somebody within the organization or an outsider? Well, I guess there may be some, I haven't come across any that are led by, um, someone within the organization. I suppose that that's perfectly, perfectly possible if there's somebody with those, with that skill set in the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have a, um, uh, choir leader friends who we met through Total Choir Resources called Dan Cooper and Jack White. And they run a company together where they, uh, I think between them, they run about a dozen different workplace choirs. So most days of the week, they're going into a company and, and doing a lunchtime rehearsal or an after work rehearsal. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it doing tu- very well. Is it tuition based? Sorry, what does that is what it, do you mean? Is it a tuition based ensemble? The people that are that work there, they pay... They pay I would to be imagine a part either that they. I don't know. I would imagine either that they pay a small sub, um, but I would probably more likely that the company would sub it as a, hmm. you know, as an employee benefit. Come on, people in America, do this. This is a good <laughs> idea. It's a great idea. You know, does Facebook have a choir yet? Come on, like I bet they do. <laughs> I want. I wonder if they do. I really, you know, and if and if but they. The thing is, of course, that what I mean, what could be better when you've got people, especially people who are who are doing sedentary jobs where they're very focused, they might be feel quite detached from the people around them. What sure. better than to get everybody to sing together across the hierarchy of the of the company? So um, we we had a good chat with Dan about this, and he was describing how you know you've got everybody from the CEO all the way down to the cleaners, all just singing together right it levels the playing field you know for a little while it, it right there's exactly right nobody has hierarchy over anybody else when you're in a choir yeah and and once you've uh, you know we all know how much better we feel once we've been singing even if we might go into it thinking oh i don't want to do choir tonight by the time we've had a good sing we mm-hmm. always feel better absolutely so you're going to have a happier workforce all right the challenge has been made to <laughs> choir nation Go out and do something new, you know, go out and go out and start a workplace choir. I mean, that doesn't take much. I don't know. You walk into human resources and say, hey, you know, would you like, would you like to get the employees together once a week to sing? Would that be a mental health benefit for your, your workers? I mean, it's what it is. It's a men- it's literally, it's the same thing as buying massages for your, <laughs> for your employees. Probably a lot cheaper as well. And it's, I could imagine it's a whole lot cheaper and less touchy-touchy. So that's great. Wow. I, I, you know, I feel like, I, I feel like you know, we're, we're behind a little bit over here in the U.S. when it comes to this kind of stuff. Well, you may be behind on that, that score, but I think um, you are streets ahead of us with, um, with 
the school system choirs. We are sadly lacking in music education in this country. And um, it's it's only getting worse, I'm afraid, because it's very underfunded. Mm-hmm. Um, and music programs are being are being discontinued all over the place in our in our public schools. So um, I think you guys are doing much better on that score. Yeah, well, we, we find, you know, you have these uh, people that are, um, you know, they're out in the professional world and they have all these wonderful stories about when they were in high school and they were singing and, uh, you know, and they would the trips they went on and and it clearly there's opportunity for them to sing as adults and most people don't take it. Um, well, very, very like the sports scene, isn't it? Where, where people um, get involved in sport uh, as children and then ditch it when they get out into, right. the, into the real world. Right. Now they so live vicariously through thing. their children. Yeah, they live vicariously <laughs> through their children. And then they're, so they're, they're on the stands, you know, you know, hey, you should have swung at that ball, you know, and then their the <laughs> fathers are getting in fights and this and that. Well, well, they could just go out and start their own little softball team or something. So Or, or even a choir. Or a choir, yeah. I mean, I've never seen fighting in a choir, like fist fighting, you know, so. I very much doubt that that will happen. Yeah, so. Everyone's just, by the time everyone's been singing together for a while, everyone's just in too good a mood. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And if if nothing else, I, I hope that Choir Nation from this episode gets that there's possibilities out there, you know, that we have, this is not a saturated niche, you know, that we not are. Not at all. You know, go out there and get people to sing. And if you need help, you can obviously listen to this show. You can listen to Victoria's show uh, and check out the resources that she has available online. Um, and I, I understand, Victoria, that you have a, a small giveaway for Choir Nation. Oh, yes, absolutely. So um, what I've done is I've created something that I've called the Choir Rehearsal First Aid Kit. And this is uh, a bunch of practical tips that you can implement. They're super actionable. You can just, um, if ever you feel that your rehearsals are getting off track um, or you're not um, on course to achieve what you need to achieve in your rehearsal sessions, I've got some some tips for you to get things back where you want them and, um, you know, handle interruptions, things like that to make sure that you keep your rehearsals on track and you don't end up totally stressed out and exhausted. So this is, um, and- this is stopping the bleeding. Yeah. And uh, so your listeners can access that by going to totalquireresources.com forward slash ninja. That's perfect. That's awesome. Totalquireresources.com forward slash ninja. Um, and I, I appreciate you being so generous to, uh, to our audience of Choir Nation by making that available. So, oh, so you're thank so you. welcome. I will, I will download a copy myself, <laughs> see what that's all about. I can't wait to, to, to see what kind of coral gauze pads uh, you have, you have uh, worked up for us then. That's awesome. Um, Victoria, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, uh, Choir Nation, uh, that wraps it up for today. Uh, I, of course, um, we don't expect you to remember every link that you uh, heard today and every resource you've heard today. If you want to go to one-stop shopping, um, go to choir.ninja forward slash 158. Uh, we'll also put a link to um, the uh, total choir resources slash ninja there as well so that you can just remember one or the other. Uh, choir.ninja forward slash 158. Uh, there you can play the episode, share the episode, um, check out our sponsors and get a summary bullet points of of uh, today's episode as well. So uh, thank you so much for joining me on the Choir Ninja podcast. Bye-bye. Choir Ninja.